We're going to be in uh, John chapter 11, the Gospel of John chapter 11. Um, why don't we go ahead and receive an offering? Well, everybody's turning to John chapter 11. Um, thank you all for your prayers. Uh, as uh, mom went home last Sunday, uh, interesting enough, as I was totally lost in worship last Sunday. And, of course, my mother's was on my mind to some extent. Uh, we were, we knew that things, well, we, we've been in, we went through like a three-week window where our mom was imminently leaving at any moment, except she hung around for three weeks because she wasn't ready to go. So um, last Sunday, I'm sitting there in lost in worship, and Dawn taps me on the shoulder and says, your bag is making a noise. So I looked, and it was my phone. And so mom passed away last Sunday at 10.30. So, of course, mom was here last Thursday at 10.30, as we were with her at 10.30, and then we were all in the heavenlies at 10.30. So I'm just, for me, mom just thought it was a great time to step out Hallelujah Chorus was already going. We were already going, so she just went there. She died peacefully, just was asleep, and then was gone. So, But thank you for your prayers. The funeral will be this coming Thursday uh, down at Parcells Funeral Home in Lewis. For anybody that might want to come, um, the viewing is 10 to 11. 10 to 11, funeral is 11 to 12, and after that will be the interment at St. George's in, um, outside of Lewis, St. George's Chapel. Uh, Mom had wanted to have the funeral here, which I, that was, that's another whole story in itself, um, but logistically, in the summertime, uh, having a funeral here and an interment in Lewis and it just, we're like, now we need to keep it as close as, <laughs> we need to keep everything as close together as we can. So anyway, that's, that's that. I, the one thing that is, it's kind of a, it's an unfolding, I'll put it that way. So mom was the last in our family of her generation. And she had been the matriarch of our family now for, I can't remember when my aunt passed away, but at least 15 years, if not a little longer. So those of you that have already walked through this, you know what I'm referring to, but there is this place that the, the head of the clan has now passed to my sister and myself, and I being four years older than Janet, I feel it kind of rest on my shoulders. So... It's that's a new feeling that I have not experienced before, and so now we, Janet and I, now become the connecting point for the younger generations to our family line. So now we're the storytellers. So that's new. 
feels a little weird at the moment. I'm trying to step into those shoes, but we'll get there. Uh, John 11. I want to... I've, I've been mulling on this for a while, and one of the things, well, I said a while back, we just finished up on the Tuesday night GAFCA meetings um, or discussion group. We just finished up the Gospel of John. We've been in that for like a year. And I've come to a much, much, much deeper appreciation of John, of his writing, of how he tells the Gospel story, what he's trying to, uh, trying to get the reader to understand. And so in doing that, it's like, I, you know, when I first became a, a believer and I was introduced to the Bible, I always, I started to approach the Bible the way I would approach a novel and just kind of read it. And, and what I didn't understand in those years was the Bible, even though it is telling a story, is a supernatural collection of words about events. And to the person that steps into the scriptures and makes that your home, you now have entered into the most amazing journey that any human being could ever get into. So as many times as I've read the Gospel of John, it is alive and real and speaks to me every time. Every time. It's like, you know, the, when you open with the psalm, swing wide all you gates. Um, as many times as I've used that, as I've started service with that, you know, and so forth, when you read that today, there was a whole fresh anointing that just rested on those words. Uh, and I, I, was, I was filled again with being a gate. And what does it mean for the king of glory to come in? How spectacular and amazing is that, that I can open my heart and the king of glory comes in and now tabernacles with me. It's just, it's just amazing, amazing. So John 11, this is the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. But it's also more than that. This is a, this, this chapter as John lays it out, this is the turning point. Somebody mentioned turning point earlier today. But this is the turning point in what's, what's happening in Jesus and where he's going and so forth. I put these on because then these words look better, but if I keep them on, then you guys are all fuzzy. So I'm having to decide which fuzz I want to look more at. So that's why I'm taking the glasses on and off. Sorry, you know. Um, uh, at any rate, the, uh, I think I'll put up with this fuzz. Actually, I can enlarge this so it's not so fuzzy. Um, and those glasses are really dirty, too. <laughs> Some of us are just fine. <laughs> So this is a turning point in everything. So this, this, I'm just going to read through this, and I'm going to make some comments. The, the story itself speaks for itself. It really doesn't need much uh, commentary, but I'm prone to do it anyway. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with, with ointment and wiped 
his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And when Jesus heard it, heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go up to Judea. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world, of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant that he was taking rest, of, taking rest in sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, no, Lazarus is, has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called a twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, let us also go that we may die with him. So as we're moving, what, what starts to unfold? So Jesus had already had the episode where they were going to stone him. They had left. It wasn't safe for him to be in the outskirts of Jerusalem, in the Judea area. And so they, they're now taking, um, you know, take, they're at a different location. So Lazarus gets sick. Sisters figure this is a good time to have Jesus come. He'll definitely heal him. Maybe even all he had to do is just say the word, and he would be healed, and he wouldn't even have to be there. Jesus hangs out two more days and then says to the guys, okay, let's go. You know, Lazarus, our friend, is sick. And um, so I like the way Jesus says to, in conversation with um, uh, the, um, when, with the sisters, he said, well, this, this, Ill, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So he states that this illness isn't to death, except that Lazarus has died. Then he says to the guys, okay, let's go to Judea. And when they, their, their response is, Rabbi, the Jews were just seeking to stone you, and are you going there anyway? So they're like, I don't think this is a good idea. I mean, we just barely got out of there alive. And now you're going to go back? If they were going to stone you then, what are they going to do with you when you come back? So, you know, it's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those leadership moments where you have an idea and everybody on your team is going, I don't know about that. I, think, I don't know. I don't think that's a little crazy. I don't think we ought to do it. So the, the guys were looking for any way to get out of it. So then, uh, you know, so Jesus says to him, look, there's 12 hours in a day. 
So if anyone walks in a day, he doesn't stumble. Jesus is you know, saying, look, guys, we're in the light. I think, Diane, you, when you got up and shared today, I mean, it's like, I'm in the light. So if I'm in the light, I don't need to walk in fear of anything in my circumstances. I'm walking in the light. Now, if you're in the dark, well, then you're probably going to be afraid of a bunch of stuff. So he says, if anyone walks in the, in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And that, I could do a whole, that, that could be a whole sermon just in that one verse. Um, so then Jesus goes on, my friend, our friend Lazarus, he's fallen asleep, but I'm going to go and wake him up. So what's the response? The guys all breathe a sigh of relief. Well, if he's only sleeping, he's okay, he'll wake up. So we don't need to go. And then Jesus, you know, looks at him and it's like, he's dead. Oh, darn. So at the end of this, then Thomas, Thomas has just got to be, he's one of those guys you have to appreciate because Thomas is kind of on the wrong side of the discussion at each discussion. But Jesus has them on the team. And so, so what's Thomas's response when Jesus said, you know, we're going to go to him? It's like, okay, well, we might as well go as well. We can all die there. I mean, full of faith, full of optimism, just the guy that you want to lead the group. You know. So as they leave to go to, to this event that's about to occur with Lazarus, the whole team is not on board and have almost just figured, okay, we barely got out of there last time. I don't, we're probably not going to get this. We might as well just die with him. I mean, what else are we going to do? Is a, a, a friend of mine, Paul Butler, who is a missionary in, over in Africa. He goes back and forth, but he's in Africa right now. I read up uh, something that he posted this week. He had gotten, uh, he's in recovery from cancer, but from all the stuff, you know, he he's, has to be really careful with his energy levels and so forth. And so he gets over there, and he's just busy, and he let himself get run down from what he normally would be, and so he got a, a, a viral infection, and he ended up in the hospital. So they finally got him back up to speed, and he's leaving the hospital, going back to the hotel. Well, in the area of Africa where he's at, there's a lot of unrest going on right now, and so there's this curfew. So the only people on the streets are armed people at that time of night. Because the doctor was like, just stay over, and I think then we can discharge you in the morning. And Paul's like, I can tell, guarantee you I will sleep better at my hotel than I'm going to sleep in this hospital. You've done everything you can do, now I'll just go. So it's after curfew. They're trying to get from the hospital back to the, back to the uh, hotel. Had to go through three checkpoints. The first two checkpoints were basically just shakedown points looking for money which they didn't give them any. The third one that they got to, there was an officer there, there was more soldiers there, and they stopped them the third time, and they're going through the whole thing again about being out on the street and curfew and 
all this stuff. And Paul is still not feeling well at all. I mean, they just did give him the medication at the hospital. So he's sitting in the car listening to his driver argue with this uh, military guy. And it's all this back and forth. And then soldiers are arguing with soldiers. He said, all the way, there's just chaos is starting to break out. He said, in the meantime, I'm sitting here in the car, still running a fever, feeling terrible. And I finally just got out. He said, I went over to the, this is what being in the light looks like. He gets out, he goes over to the commander, and he says, look, I just got out of the hospital. I'm trying to get back to the hotel. They gave me medication, and if I don't eat, I'm going to start throwing up. So I'm standing here next to you, so whatever comes up, you're going to get it, but it's your fault because I need to go to my hotel. And the commander took two steps back, put him back in the car, and sent him on to the hotel. That's what walking in the light is. Sometimes we make it all in big. It's like, look, dude, I'm going to throw up on you. <laughs> just, yeah, because the light is within me, but it's going to come out. So I'm just saying this would be a good time to let me go. <laughs> so they paid no money, and he got to the hotel, and he's doing fine. But I'm like, oh, my goodness, what an adventure. So now... Verse 17, so now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews that had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming, who is coming into the world. Now, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews were, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who come with her also weeping, and he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said to her, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man who had kept his, kept this, and kept this man from dying? So, again, it's, it's starting to, one of the things I'm appreciating more is like Jesus was constantly at a place of conflict with somebody. So now he shows up. 
the two sisters are ticked because Lazarus was supposed to be a good friend. You're the most powerful person we've ever met. We told you he was sick and you didn't show up. So they're not, you know, they're not all that glad to see him. So now there's this discourse that goes on. And so now Jesus is moved by the whole event. I mean, he's, he, you know, he is a human. He is, he is, moves in human emotions. And so he's, he weeps at what, at all that's happening. And even there, verse 37, uh, those that are looking at him, some people go, wow, he really loved Lazarus. I mean, look how he's affected. While others are going, well, what's up with him anyway? Why didn't he do something? But he didn't do anything. So even there, there's the, the conflict. So then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now this is, this is kind of where I want us to, to, to look at. Jesus at the tomb says, move the stone. Martha, of course, says, I don't think, man, he's been dead four days. You know, I mean, that's, this is like at the height of what's happening. And that it's going to really smell. Now, I don't know if, if having, I know all of you have read this more than once, but they rolled the stone away, and John makes no mention of an odor. And then Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you heard my prayer, and I thank you that you always hear me. But he didn't pray. He didn't even command. He just thanked God that you've already heard me. Well, what, what's actually happening here? And I, I think it goes back up to verse... Um, oh... Verse 4, when Jesus first finds out that Lazarus is sick, he says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That's where he prayed. He, he had, before he left, he had already dealt with what he was going to be walking into. And now he comes to this place where you know, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around me. So if I can paint this picture, 
they're all standing there. It's at the cave. There's a stone in front of it. And the, the dialogue that we've just discussed, it happens. The stone's rolled away. And there's no odor. That was the sign. There was no odor. And so Jesus, with the stone being rolled away, knowing that what he had said and had prayed in verse 4 was in fact true. He doesn't need to pray anything. He steps into thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Now, the next thing, I don't know if you've ever asked this question either. Nobody goes in the cave. Jesus just tells Lazarus to come out. But John makes the point of telling us that his feet were bound. So, I don't know. Did he, did he just kind of hop out? But his, his face is also bound. So did he get stuck in the corner for a while? <laughs> and then went that way? Is that what happened? I don't think so. I don't think he hopped at all. I think he moved to the, to the entrance of the cave and was there. Now, did the angels do that? Probably. But I don't think he hopped out. And then Jesus says to everybody around, un, un, unbind him. Let him go. Right? So I think that when I, when I read through this story, I'm, I'm mindful of the place, and I've had it happen in my life over and over again, where you... Um, we, we get, you know, we're concerned about something, we're praying about something, we're fasting about it, we're, you know, we're, we're declaring over things like, like we did today. We, we're doing all those things. But at the same time, the very thing we're praying for, just the opposite happens. And then, but the invitation into these types of prayers is, because we, could be, we become focused on the answer. This is what I need to have happen. Where Jesus clearly says, all that's unfolding right here is that the glory of God may be seen. So while it may be personal to me, personally healed, personally financed, whatever it is, that, that, it's not that that doesn't have a personal point to it, but ultimately each of us now, if we're believers, if we're Christ imagers, if we're the places where God, where heaven and earth are now interfacing in us, then everything that God works through us is to release his glory. It's that he comes out looking amazing. Yeah. And if I'm not careful, I won't even be seen at all. Because the glory of God begins to fill the, the vision of the people. So in this case, Lazarus comes out, and it says, as we read on, that many believed because of that event. The glory of God had come. This is, John is also giving, painting a picture for us to see between what's happening with Lazarus, because at this point, or this is why I say this is the, and we'll read this in a bit, but this is the, the turning point. Everything shifts now once Lazarus is raised from the dead. Now, just in Jewish thinking, 
they, it was, uh, I don't know if it was their theology, but it was their belief system anyway, that when a person died, the soul would remain with the body for three days. So there, there was a possibility that the person could be brought back to life within three days. And we have a couple scriptures, there's a story with the prophets in the Old Testament. But by the fourth day, the soul is gone, and that, then it's impossible for the body to be raised, except if Messiah comes. And Messiah, that was one of the expectations they had. I don't, I don't find any place scripturally where I can say they were leaning on this verse. It was more just the tradition of the rabbis. But the rabbis, um, through the Talmud, would say, you know, yes, that you know, when Messiah comes, he will do the things that no one else can do. So when Jesus let this event go to the fourth day, he was making a point. Because no one believed that, that a body could come back after the fourth day. But now Lazarus is standing there, whole and complete. And then Jesus says, loose him. John is also wanting us to see that on another day, another body in a tomb is going to have a stone rolled away. In this case, Lazarus had to be unbound. In Jesus' case, the grave clothes were folded and left behind. So this, this John is helping us understand that there's this, that there's, as Jesus becoming the temple, as Jesus becoming, you know, as the Messiah, as all that he's bringing with him, he is, he's shifting, you know, he's shifting everything that has to do with humanity. So in this case, to Lazarus, he says, untie him. On another day, he says, it's finished. And the fullness of resurrection has now come. I am the resurrection. I am the life. This isn't something outside of me. It's not something that just rests upon me. It is actually who I am. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me won't die. And even those that die, they live. Because most of us were probably going to take that, that journey. I, I, uh, my sister and I were talking the other day. My mother was a... Um, um, my mother is, has been sick her whole life, at least in her mind. She's, every, every time a new, di a new illness is discovered, my mom has had it. And we'll go get the test for it. There was, there was one year she had a heart catheterization three times in one year because she kept telling the heart doctor she had a bad, lot of problems with her heart. And he's saying, there's nothing wrong with your heart. And she's, no, there is. You just can't find it. Go in there and look. And, you know, my sister was like, the top of her head was blowing off. She's like, Mom, heart catheterizations are, is a serious of deal. I mean, something can go wrong with a heart catheterization. And, but she had three in one year. And 
mainly because the doctor just got tired of arguing with her. Like, All right, well, we'll do a heart catheterization. And I'm looking at her going, I don't even like to take an aspirin. Why would you want that thing run up through your leg into your heart? I don't even, don't even talk to me. I don't even, I don't even, I don't want the details. Oh, it was, you know, the nurses were, no. I don't care how nice the nurses are. I don't care about nothing. I don't even want to be in the hospital. And you've been there three times this year and had the same thing done. So for mom being sick all her life, she finally died of the one illness that is incurable, old age. She just went to sleep and that was that. So I'm like, okay, well, we finally did find one diagnosis that actually sticks. <laughs> Didn't even have to have a test for it. All you had to do is really look in the mirror. But anyway, okay, moving along. John 11, starting with verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them that what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people. Not that, he, not, that the whole nation, not that the whole nation should perish. And he did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus must die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. And from this day on, they made plans up for his death. It's fascinating to me that having witnessed a resurrection, you immediately turn and begin to plot the person's death. Like, it, it doesn't anything like maybe bubble up in your brain like, can you kill somebody that can raise people from the dead? I mean, you know, but it didn't. But this is the turning point. So from here on, you know, when, in all the Gospels, this is the, the critical point between here and Passover, the, the die is cast. And it, if, as you read on, it will say that the, the Pharisees let it be known because Jesus, they were in another area. They weren't quite sure where they were at. So they had let it be known that anybody who knows where they're at and will let them know will be rewarded, which then set the scene for Judas later on. But um, the, 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 I guess to kind of boil all this down today, it's like we have to be at, there just are these places in prayer, these places in walking in this Christian walk where where I am at the moment, I'm praying, I'm petitioning, I'm, I'm you know, doing the things that I'm, I know I should do. And yet in that moment, it may seem, or it may actually be the case, that everything I'm praying, just the opposite is happening. And, that, and in that valley of decision, if I can call it that, that's the place where discouragement comes in. It's the place where our faith is tried. It's all those things. 
But in actuality, from heaven's viewpoint, the glory of God is being manifest on the earth through you, through me. And, and it's not going to be on my time schedule. Because whenever God manifests himself, he always does it at the optimum moment. Because it's his glory that's coming. It's not just me going, oh, I got my prayers answered. Woohoo! No, the glory of God just came on the earth. It just showed up. I mean, I didn't even see it. I was over here thinking it was all about me getting this. And God's like, no, I'm actually over here. Because there's 12 hours of light, and I'm, I work in the light. Yeah. So don't let the darkness be over there in you at all. Stay in the light, yeah. and you won't stumble. So what's the stumbling? The stumbling is when I just get discouraged. The stumbling is when I get, you know, I get my feelings hurt. I get offended. I, you know, I get offended with God. I get offended, whatever it is. You know. And that's when we stumble. But when I am able to say, Father, you always hear me. You always hear me. You always hear my prayer. We're not, I mean, Jesus wasn't different than us. We're in him now. He always hears my prayer. Because I don't see the fullness of whatever it is I'm praying for at the moment. Yeah, as much as I want that, and as much as I know he's with me in that, and that he hears me, he's going to bring it in the time that manifests his glory on the earth at the highest level. And what he's asking for us is, don't be Thomas and go, well, I might as well just go. I'll die with him. You know, it's the way this, it's the way this whole Christian work thing works. I mean, I just, I'll just go along, but nothing ever works out in my life. You know. Instead, I said, you know, Father, I thank you. I thank you. You always hear my prayers always hear my prayers and in those and in hearing my prayers again those aren't just words leaving my mouth into the atmosphere that's the very kingdom of god in me communicating with the heavenly realm it's not you know it's i'm not separated i'm seated i'm seated with him in heavenly places so my prayers are starting from heaven I'm not in Delaware, stuck in the mud, or Maryland. <laughs> you know, I, no, I'm seated in heavenly places. We're, we're, I'm already in the flow of what God's doing. And my life is already being conformed to the image of Christ. And how that's, and the timing of that, the working of that, the circumstances of that, God is in all of those. And not everything will be completed before I leave. But there's a lot that's been completed. There's even more that's being completed. And we, we all live in these places of transition. But every step I take ultimately is for the glory of God. And it brings glory to his name. Should be anyway. I know there's been a lot of things I've done that didn't bring glory to his name. But that's the journey we're on. And I'm delighted to be able to declare that the good work that he's begun in you, he's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. He's going to get it done. You know, the more we cooperate, the better. But even on the days I don't cooperate, 
he still gets it done. Because he's faithful even when we're faithless. So, amen. So that's, that's the word. That's the word. God will, God will set along the way markers as he did right here with Jesus. And I don't think I said this. That he, that he did with Jesus when the stones rolled and there's no odor. There are those moments where you know that you know that you know because what should have been isn't. And yet it's still not clear what is. But I know it. Something happens so deep inside. Father, I thank you. I thank you. And I think the other thing that the, the Father was doing was for Jesus himself when he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life, the father was also saying, son, I got this. And in the same way, Lazarus now has life, you will have life. For in a short period of time, he trusts himself to the father that on the other side of this cross is resurrection. But I assure you, as a human, he had to deal with it just like all the rest of us deal with death. And the father head said, here's an example of what it looks like. He's not dead. And he doesn't stink. And now he's come forth. And Jesus, you're not dead. And you don't stink. And now you've come forth. And he says the same thing to us. Now I'm done. Now I'm done. And I didn't put these on, so you all stayed crystal clear all through the service. It's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Let's stand. And the food thing is this Wednesday, right? Yeah, this Wednesday uh, will be the food distribution in Greenwood if you can help. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the resurrection. You are the life and that we are in you, and that your resurrection, resurrection life dwells in us, it flows through us, that it's accessible to others who are around us, that you are the life. And you live within us, and have made us temples that the Holy Spirit dwells in. Thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Thank you that you always hear our prayers. And Lord, let our vision be so that in all things we see your glory being manifest on the earth through the things we do, through the things we say, through the lives we live, through the very breath we breathe. Thank you, Father. We give you all glory. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, come up. We would love to pray for you.